Thank you so much, choir. The choir will be leaving uh, this afternoon, and we'll be in Ennery tonight at 6 o'clock, and um, then next Sunday night here at 6 o'clock uh, to do a brand-new Hallelujah. You don't want to miss it next Sunday night here, and we'd love for some of you to come down to Ennery. It's only about a 30, 35-minute drive from here, I know, because I did it a couple of times on Thursday, and uh, it's, our guys have been up there helping them with sound and Video, so we're looking forward to our worship time together with them tonight. Let's stand together. We're going to sing some familiar Christmas songs today.
Well, amen and amen. I hope that is your prayer today, that we want the Lord Jesus uh, just to come and manifest himself in each of us today. Did you have a good week? That's great. 17 people had a good week. That is awesome, all right? And uh, that's better than nobody having a good week. Grateful to see each of you here today. And thank you to all those who took the time this week to come and to decorate. It looks absolutely beautiful. And so thank you for your time and your investment and all the energy there. Looking forward to tonight. So if you can come over to First Baptist Church in Erie tonight, I know we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time in the Lord there looking forward to that. Just appreciate Brother Scott and uh, all of our tech guys and the audiovisual, all of our musicians and all the choir members have spent a ton of time uh, just kind of working, preparing, but more than just music and notes, I know they've been praying. They've been praying much uh, that God's going to use tonight, that God will use next Sunday evening here uh, at our facility uh, to, uh, to share together and just to concentrate on Jesus and you use music to do that. And so it's going to be an exciting several weeks. I'm excited about today. When I, I mean, I love this time of year. I, I really do. I probably Easter is number one for me, okay? So if you're just kind of ranking kind of the holidays and special days, I mean, Easter just, I, I love, I love Easter and I want to blow it out at Easter. But but right under Easter is, is this time of year, okay? I do. I really do love Christmas. And so uh, we, uh, day after Thanksgiving, man, we started decorating and kind of anticipating, and that's kind of what it does, doesn't it? You, you start anticipating some things and thinking about family getting together, and Pat's already been wrapping packages and putting them up under the tree, and it, it just makes the tree look better. I don't know why, but it just looks better now that there's some gifts under there. Didn't see one with my name on it, but there are some gifts under there, all right? Because I look. All right, I just look. And so it's my, it's my task every year to go ahead and figure out in advance, don't I, Pat? I mean, I do, and it's awesome. It's awesome. I still act surprised. You know, I mean, I just go with the whole nine yards, all right? But I love it. And I love it when the family's together. And I don't know, uh, probably two or three years ago, we found some old, and I'm going to date myself, all right? If you are, if you are, you know, probably 30 and below, you may not have any clue what I'm talking about. But there used to be this thing called a VHS. <laughs> All right. We found just boatloads of those things. And Pat found a company. We sent them off, got them back. And so now they're on um, mm -hmm, DVDs. Yeah. And uh, we're really high tech now. And uh, so, so we got, and so we started watching those things. And so it, most of them are the kids when they were smaller and it's wonderful, you know, it, it's just wonderful. And, but there was a common theme that you kind of pick out of year after year after year. It seemed like one of our kids always said, best Christmas ever. Yeah. All right. So I got to thinking about that, trying to, to prepare for the next several weeks and thinking about this time of the year. And, and so I want to preach a, a sermon series for, for today and the next three Sundays. And our theme is going to be Best Christmas Ever. 
And if you have a copy of God's Word, look with me in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. And so I just want to go ahead and say this right now. I, I really want to frame what we're going to do as family, okay? I do believe that God loves family. He is our Father. We are His children. We are a part of His family. We've been adopted into His family. We call it church, but it is family. And as a family, we grow. As a family, we love, we give, we care, we cry, we serve, all those things. And so I love looking at the bride of Christ or the church. You know, the Scripture calls it an army or a body, but I love the imagery of the church being a family. And so that's why we spend time together. When you think about God being our Father, think about the intimacy there, all right, relationship. And so that's really what I want to anchor on. That's why we're doing what we're doing tonight, because you as a church reached out to a church to say, hey, we want to help you and partner with you. Why? Because we are family. That's why we reach out. That's why we sing about the gospel, preach about the gospel, pray about the gospel, is because we're family, and we want to see the family grow. We are truly brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. We've experienced new life and new birth, and, and honestly, isn't that something to get excited about? Well, I'm going to have to convince you of that, it sounds like, all right? I mean, of all the people on the globe that should be a joy-filled people, I mean, ridiculously happy and joyful, should be the people of God who know that Jesus has saved them and birthed them from above. I mean, we should be just enjoying Jesus 24-7. And so our text today is literally a family history of Jesus. Have you ever done, maybe traced your family history? I thought about it, then I got scared off. <laughs> so I thought, Lord, mercy. I mean, I, what little I know about my family. I don't know that I want to know too much, right? I mean, I, it kind of scares me when I think about that. And so what we have in our text today really is a family history. It's the family history of Jesus who came to seek and to serve and to save. And so I want you to think, uh, you know, I just want you to think with me about his family today. And, uh, and again, I mean, it's, we're going to see the good and we might even see some bad, right? Every family's got a crazy uncle. Somebody say amen. You know that person in the family, when they're there, you just look at them and just, you just think to yourself, bless their heart. Now, in the South, we know what bless your heart really means, right? Okay, so we're all in the same boat. All right, we're all in the same boat. So if you found your place, I want you to look with me, Matthew chapter 1. Let's stand together, and you, I want you to hold up your Bible or hold up your device and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing word. Listen to this family history. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah and by Tamar, 
and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of, Jethani- of, of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. This is, if you're not careful, you would think I'm reading a Star Wars trilogy, right? <laughs> and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abud, and Abud the father of um, Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azar, and Azar, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Akim, and Akim, the father of Eliud, and Eliud, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for our time to gather together. Thank you for those that are here today. And Lord, I believe that that no one is here today by accident. And Jesus, I thank you today that we can begin this Christmas series just looking at the beginning of the book of Matthew. And Lord, there is so much that we can glean from these verses today. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would help us to hear from you today. And, God, I pray that as you speak, that, God, you will draw all men unto yourself. Lord, no greater joy, no greater gift could be exchanged right now than for someone to exchange their sin for salvation. God, for someone to exchange their past, God, for a brand new present and future and so jesus i pray that you would make yourself known to us today and that god we can rejoice in a god who loves us and seeks us with an everlasting love and father we pray this today in jesus name amen god bless you you may be seated well, as you read that, I, I know that uh, there, there's a lot of things that you may be thinking. And so one of those things you may be thinking, how in the world are you going to get anything out of just reading all those names? Well, that's the first point. I want you to see this big and clear today. God loves people and he knows us by name. Aren't you glad for that? 
that according to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he knows our history. He knows everything about us. It was God himself that put us in our mother's womb. We serve a God who knows every single detail. There is nothing hidden from him. And I am so glad today that I serve a God who wants us to know him, who wants us to, to have a relationship with him, something that is beautiful and intentional. And so just like I love my children, I know them by name. I know them by all their little, you know, just, just every, all of ours look alike to some degree, but they're all very different. Somebody say amen. And in their uniqueness, that, that is, that's the beautiful part of being in relationship because we're different, and, and, but yet I know them and I know their individuality, and God does the same with us. Are we part of the family? Yes. But does he know you as an individual? Yes. You are not just a number. You are not just a statistic with God. Our Heavenly Father knows us by name. He calls us by name we are his children and he loves us as such and so what you see here in chapter one is the fact that not not only does God know us but God works through relationship he works through family from one generation to the next here's what's happening when you start in chapter 1 verse 1 all the way through verse 17 here's one of the things you have to take away every single generation one to the next is doing what all leading to Jesus Generation after generation after generation. The good and the bad and the ugly, all leading to Jesus. So I take great comfort in knowing that I have a Heavenly Father that knows my name. Second thing I see in this text is this. Every family tree has some knots. Pat this morning said, I think you should change that to nuts. But I decided not to go there, all right? But think about it. Y'all know what a knot in a tree is, right? You with me? So every family tree has some knots in it. And when you begin to look at this list, now listen, you know that we don't have time today to look at every single individual that is listed. But what I want to do is to walk through just enough to give you a taste of the family tree. Think about this, Abraham. Very, very clearly, verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Think about Abraham for just a moment. Here is a lost pagan Babylonian. A man who was not seeking God at all, but God was seeking him. God not only sought him, God called him. God chose Abraham for himself, and he used him mightily. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God spoke to Abraham one day and said, Abraham, I'm going to do a miracle in you and in your wife, Sarah. She's 75 years old, but she is going to birth you a Boy, Pat, we, we still got time, honey. 
Praise the Lord, those days are over, all right? We're going on the grands. But think about that. And he said, here's what God said. And God said, and through that son will be your seed. We call it the what? The seed of Abraham. A descendant. And there's going to be a descendant in that line who is going to be the savior of the world. And so here's what Abraham did. Abraham trusted. Abraham believed. Abraham had faith. It really wasn't his faith. It's the faith that God put in him to believe. Here's what I'm trying to say. A, a, a lost pagan Babylonian needed a savior. If you don't see anything else in that text, you've got to know that. He needed a Savior. Well, here's another person, David. Now, most of us in this room probably know a lot about David. So here's David, and we know that David was king. The book of Acts says that David was a man after God's own heart. And we know this. The Bible says that through his line, the king of David, you know, King David, there's going to come a greater line, a greater king. We know that king of kings and lord of lords to be Jesus himself. But here's what you need to understand about David. David wasn't always pursuing God. Even though the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, there were moments in his life that he didn't pursue God. You would not call him a godly man. As a matter of fact, the Bible records that David was an adulterer. And just in case you don't know what that means, it means he slept with another man's wife. That's not good. Husbands, love your wife. That's what the Bible says. Love your wife, not somebody else's. Right? So it's not a good thing. But it didn't stop there. Not only was David a, an adulterer, David was a murderer. He had his lover's husband killed, sent Uriah to the front line, knowing that it would probably cost him his life. Think about that, friend. Here is David, an adulterer, a murderer. Do you know what he needed? He needed a savior. You, you could go on and on. There's, in, the, in the genealogy, there's listed Tamar. You have to go to Genesis 38 to know about Tamar. She's married to Ur. I've never heard that name since. I mean, how would you like to be married to Ur? All right? Ur. She's married to Ur. What do you know about Ur? Well, the Bible tells us that Ur was a godless man, and he died. Did you know that in that day in that era of time when when a, a husband died the wife would automatically be be expected that the the next of kin male would become her husband would love her provide for her protect her there was no social services or welfare like we have today so onan onan was the closest male relative here's let me just give you a quick commentary on Onan. He was a punk. Okay? Whatever image comes to your mind, when I say the word punk, you're, you're okay. All right? Because that's probably what he was. He was a punk. He was glad to sleep with her, but he didn't want to marry her. He didn't want to be obligated to Tamar. 
I hope there's no men like that here today looking for women just to have a good time but no way to be committed or responsible. Onan is a shameful example of that kind of man. So, so Tamar becomes lonely. She becomes frustrated. And then she takes matters into her own hands. She dresses like a prostitute, goes down to the red light district, waits for her father-in-law. She sleeps with her father-in-law. She gets pregnant, and he now is daddy grandpa. Say, Ken, are you sure you're not talking about an episode of Jerry Springer? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, this is in the Bible. This is a part of the family history of the line of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you know what she needed? She needed a Savior. And then there's Rahab. Did you catch her name in there? Rahab. She's a Canaanite. Canaanites hated God. And she herself is a prostitute. But here's what she does. She hides and, and protects some of God's people. She even lied about what was going on. But God converts her. Again, here is God willing to adopt the most troubled, difficult, obstinate, rebellious people and say, I love you. I want to know you. I want to be your father. I will love you. I will change you. Do you know what she needed? She needed a Savior. There's Ruth. You know what Ruth needed? She needed a Savior. There's Bathsheba. Do you know what Bathsheba needed? She needed a Savior. The Bible lists Joseph, who is going to be the father, right? The earthly father of Jesus. Now, he's, he seems to be a pretty upstanding young man. That There's really not anything negative that you would ever see about Joseph. And, and then it lists Mary. And, and the only thing about Mary that might make you a little uncomfortable is the fact that she's pregnant, but she's never been with a man, right? And you can imagine this, right? Y'all know what this is, right? <laughs> Telephone, telegraph, or telebaptist, right? <laughs> so you can imagine the stories that are flying around about Mary. But here's what we know about Mary. Mary's got a good heart. So here is the fact of the matter. Even good people need a savior do you understand every person listed in the genealogy of jesus needed a savior you may be here today and you would say ken i just can't come to jesus and i may say why why would you not come to jesus and you would say, I've done some really bad things. I have rebelled. I've done horrible things. Here's what I would say to you. Point number three. According to the Bible and the genealogy of Jesus, there is room for you in the family of grace. Isn't that great? See, some of us are so legalistic and so holier than thou. You think that, 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 that a murderer would never come to Jesus or an adulterer would never come to Jesus and somehow we never want to give anybody a second chance. 
I am so grateful that God is a God of grace. You may not know everything about me. But if you knew a lot of stuff about me, you may be very disappointed in me. But if you ever tasted grace, you could know my background and know that I have become a recipient of God's grace. Why? Because you are a recipient of God's grace. Every one of us, nobody had to teach you how to lie. Nobody had to teach you how to steal. You come ready made for sin. You know what every one of us need? A Savior. A Savior. I love this chapter. When you look at the family tree of Jesus, it should tell us that there's plenty of room for me and you in his family. Maybe you came from a godly family like Mary and Joseph. They were faithful. Maybe you came from a very faithful family. Praise God if you did. Amen? Praise God for that. But do you understand that even good people need Jesus? Thank God for a family heritage of walking with Jesus. But you cannot get to heaven on the coattail of your mom or dad or your grandma and your grandpa. You need him. Don't you want your children to love Jesus? Don't you want your grandchildren to know Jesus? Don't you want that generation after generation after generation to walk with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? We all need Jesus. Maybe you came from an ungodly family. Maybe in your, your family history there is something sinful or wicked, rebellious. I'm just telling you, don't be ashamed. Just be honest. Don't make excuses. Just be real. Maybe your family has incest. Maybe it has adultery. Maybe it has prostitution. Maybe it has murder. Maybe it has a baby out of wedlock. Jesus' family did. But it did not destroy Jesus and it doesn't have to destroy you. God can save you by his grace. God can redeem. I love that word, redeem. Anybody here old enough to know about S&H green stamps? Okay, again, I know I just said something. If you're 30 and younger, you have no clue. Let me just tell you about our history real quick, okay? If you're, if you're in that generation, you're thinking, I, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. You're not going to believe what I'm getting ready to tell you. There was a day when, what I'm getting to tell you, it's, this really happened, okay? You would go to a store. Now, in Greer, that store was Winn-Dixie. And Winn-Dixie had S and H green stamps, okay? And let's say you spent $40 on groceries, and they would give you these stamps that equated to a $40 purchase. And so my mama had these books, and in the book they were blank, but there was, all, there was a diagram, and here's what you did. This is what all the kids got to do. This was a job for all the kids. Woo! You got to lick the stamps and stick them in the book. Woo! Living at its best. Oh, I've licked more stamps than you can imagine. After a while, you, you know what I'm talking about? You can't even talk. 
You can't eat. Everything starts sticking together. And it was book after book, week after week. And then when mama had enough, and she kept them in shoe boxes, okay? And when you got enough shoe boxes full of those stamps, then she would take us, put us in the car, ride over to Greenville, and we would go to the S&H Green Stamp Store. <laughs> oh, my soul. And then she would just walk around and she would just look because there was all this merchandise. There were blenders, there were electric blankets. There were toasters, coffee makers. Back in that day, we, we had no clue what a carrig was. We percolated. <laughs> oh. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And my mom would just look and look and look, and all of a sudden, there it would be. There's the thing that she had had her eye on because she had this catalog that came in the mail. And she would just dream about, I want this and I want that. So here's what she did. So let's just say she needed 50 books to get a toaster. Now, in her mind, that toaster was free. How many hundreds of dollars did she spend on that toaster? I really don't know. But all I know, she was so happy. She picked up that box. She held it close, and she just strutted almost like George Jefferson, right? All the way up to the counter. And, and so my sister, Rhonda, and I, we're the ones bearing the shoeboxes. And we would lay those things on the counter. And the little attendant, she would go through and be sure that all the books were full. And then she would say something like this. Well, Miss Forster, you, you needed whatever and you, you've redeemed. In other words, it's yours. It's free. You with me? You've redeemed yourself. And you can, so isn't that amazing? All we can bring to Jesus is nothing but rotten, stinking sin. And you know what he chooses to do? To redeem us of that. You know why he can do that? Because he's already paid the price, right? That's why Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. I came to be a redeemer. I came to buy you back. I could care less about your family history. Because if you're breathing, you belong to my family. Am I talking to somebody here today? Maybe you've been good. And you think just because you're good, you're going to go to heaven. You're not. Nobody goes to heaven because they're good. You know why? Because everybody needs a Savior. I'm inviting somebody here today. You've been trusting in church membership. You've been trusting in your baptism. You've been trusting in how you were raised. No, friend, you've got to trust in Jesus and his finished work. That's, that's, that's it. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ken, I've come from a horrible family. Man, it was rough. I get it. I get it. That's one reason why I probably don't want to know any more about my family tree than what I do. 
I'm positive we didn't swing by our tails. I don't believe in evolution. But I'm sure we had some family folks swing by their neck. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm positive of that. <laughs> some of you are letting your past and your parents and everybody else rob you of tasting God's grace. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your family history is. There is room for you and God's family of grace. And I'm asking you to come to Jesus today. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already dealing with you. Listen, I, you, I, I'm not, I, I think it's a horrible thing for a preacher to try to somehow manipulate you into making some kind of decision. I grew up in that culture. If I want to fill the altar up, I promise you I could do it. I could guilt you. And, and y'all probably heard stuff like this. If you really love Jesus, you'll come to the altar today. Right? Mm -mm. I'm not going to go there. But I will tell you this. If you believe the Holy Spirit of God has brought conviction upon you and you're ready to turn from your sin and you're ready to trust Jesus and his finished work, I'm telling you, I would love to lead you to Jesus today. Nothing would bring me greater joy. You talk about the best Christmas ever. Are you kidding me? To be born again from above and to receive his gift of eternal life. Best Christmas ever. He loves you. I got, I got dressed really quickly this morning. I mean, really fast. We, we had some great friends over yesterday. Had a great time with them. I had, had family come in late last night. Our son and our next daughter in love uh, to be. They're getting married. And we don't call them daughter-in-law. She's our daughter in love. We love this girl. I would punch Samuel in the face if he ruins this, all right? <laughs> She's precious. She is precious. And so they were over in Columbia area, and so they spent the night with us last night, and so I was up till 1.30 this morning just hanging out with them because I, I wanted to be with them, right? So I'm, I'm getting dressed, and I'm thinking, okay, oh, we got the thing tonight. Got to wear black. So choir, you know, everybody's wearing black, and I'm thinking, I just don't want to wear black all day. So, so I'll put that. I said, but then I don't want to take two pairs of shoes, so I'll just take my black shoes. And then I'm thinking, okay, if I take my black shoes, not my brown shoes, then and I'm really freaky about colors, y'all. I really am. And I thought, okay, so I'm just going to wear, I wear this today, and I wear my, my black shoes, but I couldn't find any dark socks. <laughs> I couldn't find any dark socks at all. What, baby? The Lord is calling us. He wants me to finish this, Fad. I'm telling you, he wants me to finish this. And so, so, so I just thought, well, and she said, hey, here's a pair. They're dark. Just wear these. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Y'all, I don't know what it is about me and socks. Y'all with me? But I got a pair of socks on. Can y'all read that, what it says? It says, I'm allergic to people. All right? That's terrible. That's horrible. Because I don't mean that. I promise you, Chip, that, that does not represent how I feel about people. Now, I say all that, and I probably shouldn't have done that. But I'm going to tell you something else. I'll tell you who else is not allergic to people. Re you with me? Jesus is not allergic to people. It's people. That's why he came. People who are messed up. 
people who are messed up. I'm messed up. You're messed up. You take Jesus out of any of us, and we are one great big mess up. And that's why we need grace. And that's why he came. And so the simple invitation today is this. Come to him. If you're good, you still need him. If you got a bad history, he can redeem. Trust Jesus. Lord, we do love you and we ask that even in this time of invitation, God, that you would draw someone to yourself. That God, you are true and you're faithful and that you are good. And you have done everything possible, God, that we could respond to your truth. And so, Lord, my prayer today is that you have quickened the hearts of many in this room. Perhaps you're going to quick the hearts, quicken the hearts of people that are watching this video. And that, Lord, you are going to, um, Lord, convict of sin, but God, you're going to draw them to yourself and that you will cleanse, you will redeem, you will forgive, you can restore and that, God, we can be a part of your forever family, a family of grace. And so, Lord, my prayer here today is that no one would leave this building without knowing absolutely sure that you are our Heavenly Father and that we are securely in your family of grace. And so, Lord, you just do whatever you choose to do, and we will praise you for it in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand. Our musicians, Brother Scott's going to lead us in this hymn of invitation. Simply trust Jesus. Trust him.
sing this last verse without the musicians. Oh, to Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. today, that that will not just be a prayer, it won't just be a song, it will be the thrust of our lives, that we surrender it all to you, in Jesus' name.